record it on the tablet because it's the easiest way to kind of do that. And uh, plus then I can get away with having my notes in front of me pretty easily. We're going to start this morning by reading from Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. And I'm going to ask you to stand as we read the word together this morning. That's Luke chapter 24, verses 13 to 35. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. But they didn't see Jesus. He said to them, How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. And they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true. The Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Let us pray. O God, whose blessed Son made himself known to his disciples in the breaking of bread, open the eyes of our faith that we may behold him in all his redeeming work, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit. One God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. I can practically see them. The travelers. Trying desperately to figure everything out. 
wearily, trudging to Emmaus, shoulders hunched, perhaps feet shuffling. It's been an odd day. Mary Magdalene and some of the others had gone early to the tomb where Jesus had been laid. Peter and John, summoned by the panic at the sight of that awful, empty tomb, they ran too to the place where he had been and where he was no longer. Angels said strange things. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Could Jesus really be alive? Or were the Jewish leaders playing tricks? It was hard to think of them as, as having that kind of imagination, but the limits of their own imaginations were being reached. A, a living Jesus? And Mary gave them more news later. Jesus had spoken to her. Was she to be believed? Even now, whispered interrogations were being held. Did, did he really say Peter's name specifically? What did he look like? It, it seemed foolish to think her words. Jesus had spoken to her, that he was going to meet them in Galilee. That that, that could be true when they had seen the bloody, bruised, dead Jesus. But the alternative explanations were just as strange, just as laden with unthinkable and unspeakable ideas. The two talked about it and wondered as they walked. Uncertainty, fear, coloring their voices and their demeanor. A stranger joined them. It is Jesus the very one they are discussing. But in their fear and confusion and sorrow and even their long-shot hope of a miracle, they're not seeing him for who he is. He asked them what they're talking about. And this is one of my favorite jokes in all of scripture. They, they not only tell Jesus everything that's happened, but before they do, they ask if he's been living under a rock for the last three days. <laughs> I feel like Jesus might have been amused by that. <laughs> but he takes them to task for not already believing what they've been told and for not recognizing all the prophetic moments they had been a part of. Randall Denny writes that Jesus began an exposition of scripture from each individual prophetic book, giving the first correct lesson on messianic teachings of the Old Testament. He showed them the th golden thread of grace running through the whole fabric of scripture. And it could not be separated from the scarlet thread of atonement. He goes on, what a sermon that must have been. Jesus opened the scriptures, developed, illustrated, and applied in himself. How I wish that lesson from the lips of Jesus had been preserved. Someday in heaven, I hope Jesus will preach that sermon once again. It probably was a pretty spectacular message. 
But these two travelers still don't see Jesus. They get to their destination, and Jesus sort of, well, I'm going to keep going, you know. Kind of like when your friends come over and you're like, oh, come on in, have a, have a, you know, have a meal with me. And, and they're like, no, 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 we really have to go. But they're like, okay, sure, that's really what I want to do. Well, that's what Jesus does. And they convince him to join him for the evening. They, they recognized already that something was different about him. They just didn't quite see him for who he was. They enjoyed his company. They appreciated what he had told them. But still, even after all this conversation and discussion and sermon, they don't know him. You see, it is only when they sit down to dinner, after Jesus says the blessing, as Jesus breaks the bread, that they suddenly realize who he is. And as soon as they do, he leaves them. And they don't even finish their meal. They've gone seven miles from where they started. And as soon as they realize who that was, who Jesus is, they jump up and they run back the seven miles they just walked. And when they get there, They're like, oh, we saw him, we saw him. And they tell him how they recognized him when he broke the bread. I can only imagine what that return trip was like. <laughs> can you imagine? Have you ever had something like really spectacular happen to you and you want to tell people and you, there's no one to tell? Like before Facebook, <laughs> you couldn't like, just tell everybody what was happening in your life and some kinds of sometimes in the incredible moments think of it as not having Wi-Fi available and you're like I've got to tell somebody this thing that just happened it's incredible so here's these two guys and they're telling each other like oh my goodness did you see that he broke the bread? oh my goodness it was Jesus oh my goodness it was Jesus I can't believe it I was there we were there together and they're running back. Everything about their conversation and how they behave on the way back is completely different from how they were on the way there. Their best hope is affirmed. They've had an encounter with the living Christ and it has for them as it does for us, as it must always do for everyone, change them. And it is in this ritual of the broken bread that we most clearly see the Jesus we need to see in our doubt, in our uncertainty, in our confusion. You see, we don't do this communion thing every week just so we have something we can say we did. But we do it because this is the most clean, pure, honest way 
to see the Jesus who redeemed us, to remember who he is, to remember what he's done for us. Amen. It is in the moment when we break the bread, when we do this simple little thing, that we can see exactly how it is that Jesus comes to us. He comes to us in the simple moments, in the little things, in taking your neighbor a basket of cookies. Not my cookies, but one of you, I'm sure, can cook. In giving someone a ride. In any of a million simple things. Maybe it's something as simple as a smile at someone at the grocery store. Maybe it's even particularly a smile to the cashier at the grocery store when you have had a really, really horrible day. But it is in the simple things, in the little things, that we most often see Jesus clearly. I mean, I wish that you could see him more clearly in every sermon. Because that would make my job really, 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 really important. That would make this part where I get up and I speak the word to you, it would elevate it a little more. I think it's important, but it's important as a worship tool, as a pointer to this response at the end that shows us who Jesus is. When we see Jesus clearly, it's, it's not through the imp impressive explanations. It's not through the whole picture of prophecy. We can see him there, but the easiest place, the place to start, is in breaking bread together. It's in spending time together. It's seeing Jesus in the grace of the everyday, in the moments that are simple, And when we do see him in those moments, it's recognizing that our encounter with Jesus, no matter how mundane, never leaves us the same. Jesus always changes us.